Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianmedia.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. From time to time, actually it's quite often, people will ask me, what is a Byzantine Catholic Church? And this, of course, is a question that is often asked of me by those who are the Latin Rite, in other words, the Western lung of the Church, but not just Latin Rite Catholics. Anybody, they haven't heard about the Byzantine Catholic Church or even the Eastern Rites at all. And one day, I had a guest speaker at my church, it was actually a few years ago, and she was giving a talk about the Church East and West, and she said that it was such a shame that the Byzantine Church and other Eastern Churches weren't more well-known within the whole Catholic Church, or even outside the Catholic Church. And she said that was certainly sad and unfortunate that Latin Rite Catholics did not know more about the Eastern Rites, and in particular, my church, the Byzantine Catholic Church. But then she did something else that I have never heard any other speaker say, especially a speaker who was a Latin Rite Catholic. While she did say to her own church that they ought to know more about the Eastern Churches, at the same time she said to the Eastern Churches, she said, but you too... You need to stop keeping your light under a basket. We need to have your light shine more. So she kind of chided us a bit. And I know some of my own people are a little bit perturbed by that, but I thought she was entirely right in line, entirely right on. And I was glad to hear someone from the Latin Rite say that to the Eastern Rites, because it was absolutely true. Yes, being in union with Rome has been a history that has had its imperfections, But at the same time, it is, of course, first and foremost, a blessing. At least I certainly believe that. And certainly it is unfortunate. It's always a bit of a a pain that we feel as Eastern Rite Catholics. Whenever someone says to us, well, are you Catholic? Or what are you? Or who are you? But at the same time, a lot of that is our own fault. Because the Eastern churches do need to look at how they can, as the guest speaker said to my own people, my own parish one day, how the Eastern Catholic churches can, in fact, let their light shine more brightly, more widely. Part of it, indeed, is our fault. And I think it's important for us to realize that. And a lot of times, an Eastern Rite Catholic might scratch the head if I say this, and they say, well, gee, how, how do we evangelize? How do we make ourselves more known? We're so small. Hardly anybody knows about us. Well, in our program today, I'm going to suggest some ways in which the Eastern churches can and ought to let their light shine more brightly. And the reason is, is because the world needs what we have to offer. And secondly, 
If you believe in what you have and you love what you have, by nature, you want to share it with as many people as possible. I'm not saying that everybody has to be an Eastern Rite Catholic, but I am saying that everyone should at least be aware of Eastern churches, both Orthodox and, in our case, Eastern Catholic, because their lives will be more enriched and so will ours. So our guest speaker was right. It pinched a little bit, but she was right. She kind of gently chastised her own church, the Latin Rite, but she also called out the Eastern churches, and rightfully so. So where do we begin? Where do the Eastern Catholic churches begin to let their light more appropriately shine brighter? Especially now in this time of the new evangelization. We hear a lot about evangelization and ecumenism, but sometimes Eastern Catholic churches don't exactly know what to do, what these terms mean. In fact, sometimes the word evangelization is almost like a dirty word in the church, (laughs) certainly among Eastern Catholics oftentimes. It's something we just aren't as familiar with, but it's something that we must become familiar with for our own good and the good of the whole church and the world. In fact, whenever you hear the beginning of this program and the ending, you hear that message, that Light of the East, this program, is dedicated precisely to that message. What John Paul II called the whole church to in his wonderful document, Orientale Lumen, from which we get the name of this program, Light of the East. Orientale Lumen means Light of the East in English. It is a call for the whole church to be more aware of the Eastern churches so as to be enriched by them and also to work towards unity. So how do we do that as Eastern Catholics? Well, one of the first ways I would recommend And by the way, whatever I say here in this program today in this regard are all things that I have been living, that I do live as a priest, as a pastor, and my parish lives as well, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church. And so I speak from experience and a certain credibility in this regard. So the first thing we have to do is something like a SWOT analysis that you hear in the commercial world, where you look at your strengths and your weaknesses and your potentials called a SWOT analysis, S-W-O-T. It refers to looking at your strengths and your weaknesses and what your options are, your potentials, and coming up with a vision of yourself, having confidence in that, believing in that, and having a plan to carry out that vision. So doing a little SWOT analysis of the Eastern Catholic churches, and I think we must do that, we look at ourselves and say, well, what are our strengths? What is our gift? Sometimes the strength happens to be the thing that you think is not a strength or not a gift. For instance, being small. Being small is not always a deficit. Bigger is not always better. The Eastern Catholic churches, being small by nature, have certain advantages in being small. First of all, the communities can become close and intimate, which is what a lot of people are looking for today looking for that in churches, looking for that in their lives, in their marriage, in their families. We need that today because the world is becoming rather distant and cold. We spend a lot of time looking into our gadgets, you know, texting instead of actually talking to one another. But deep inside as human beings, we need closeness. We need intimacy. And the smallness of Eastern churches actually is something that can fill that need. So the smallness is not a deficit. Yes, it's limiting in certain ways. As I mentioned, we look at our strengths and our weaknesses, but we look first and foremost at the strength. So our smallness is not a deficit. It can be limiting in certain ways, but it is first and foremost a gift, is an advantage. Secondly, we have to be able to look at the world, ask ourselves, what is the world missing? What does the world need in its heart, you know, in its spirituality, in its soul? What is the world suffering from? What's missing? 
And we have to have the confidence to look at our own Eastern spirituality and say, as I do, that's why I have this program, is that the Eastern Christian spirituality is precisely the thing that the modern Western world needs today. That's right. I'm not saying we're better than everybody else. I'm just saying, well, think of it this way. If you went to the doctor because you're some kind of ache or pain, he or she would look at that, examine you, and they would come up with a diagnosis and they'd recommend some kind of therapy or medicine or whatever would help you ease the pain or heal you. It would be specific to that condition that they diagnosed. Well, I'm doing the same thing here. Looking at modern Western civilization, diagnosing what the sickness is, what the pain is from, and recommending an antidote, recommending a therapy, healing. And in a very specific way, that specific healing is Eastern Christian spirituality. What I mean by that? I mean, it's a spirituality of integration, of living in the both and, of living in mystery, in the mystical. That's what's missing in modern Western society. And that is the particular genius or gift of the Eastern churches. So we need to really make that particular gem really shine. You got to polish that gem, polish that diamond, and let it really shine. So first of all, what we're doing, if you notice, we're looking at ourselves and looking at what is gift and believing in those gifts. We have to believe in those gifts. We have to have a certain confidence that what we have is indeed valuable and it is needed. Now, looking more at what we have, we then look at the place that is the meaning place for all of us, the place that really defines us as Eastern churches, in particular Eastern Catholic churches in this case, and that is our liturgy. And all that that means, liturgy is the meaning point. Everything flows in and out of liturgy. We are liturgical people. That's basically our our genius. That's what kind of marks us is liturgy. And what we mean by liturgy, we have to kind of expand maybe what our concept is of that. It's not just about an obligation on Sunday. It's not just about going to church. The reason why liturgy is so important and so central is because it is very encompassing. It's very, very integrated. When I say liturgy, I'm talking about the whole of our church. It's art, it's architecture, it's spirituality, its practices, its traditions, its character, everything about it really is all about liturgy. Let's face it, Eucharist is the source and summit of our existence, and liturgy is where we experience Eucharist in its fullest sense. Everything flows in and out of that. What vision does that give us? It gives us the vision of the invisible God made visible. In other words, we take invisible realities such as God and heaven and all that is good and truth And we're going to make those things visible. And we're going to make them visible through what we know on this earth, on this side of eternity. That is physical things like how we pray, how our churches are made, what they look like, what they smell like, what goes on in them, and what emanates outward from them. And when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more specifically about how liturgy and rediscovering what that is in its fullest sense is one of the best ways for Eastern Catholic churches to let their light shine. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Seeds of love endure. 
Hitler and Stalin didn't. And now, a Szeptycki Institute Minute with Father Peter Galadza. During World War II, the Ukrainian Catholic Archbishop Andrei Szeptycki saved hundreds of Jews from Hitler's Holocaust. Kurt Lewin, the son of the murdered chief rabbi of Lviv, was one of them. In 1990, the Ukrainian Catholic Church emerged from 50 years of Stalinist and Soviet oppression. Lewin later wrote, The compass that guided me all these years was the memory of the encounter with Archbishop Shevtitsky and his brother Clement, two spiritual giants who by their example charted a course for many. The efforts of their lifetime seemed to be destroyed at the end of their lives, but time has shown that the seeds they sowed resulted in a rich and rewarding harvest. To learn about degree programs in Eastern Christian Studies, visit shiptitskyinstitute.ca. That's S-H-E-P-T-Y-T-S-K-Y institute.ca. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to TaborLife.org. That's TaborLife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's TaborLife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. We're talking today about how the Eastern Catholic Churches can let their light shine. And this is partly in response to a Latin Rite speaker that I had at my church one day who said something I'll never forget. My people never forget either. And I was appreciative of that. She was the first and one of the only speakers ever heard from the Latin Rite that, to challenge the Eastern Catholic Churches, to kind of call us out and say, hey, one of the reasons you're not so well known is not just because the Latin Rite Church doesn't know you that well, and it should know us better, but it's because you are not letting your light shine either. That's what we're doing today on Light of the East. We're talking about how to let the Eastern Catholic light shine. We mentioned about believing in what we are, in our strengths, understanding what our genius is, and letting that shine in the way that is very particular to us, and that is in liturgy. Yes, of course, the West has liturgy as well, but the East is a primarily a very liturgical church, and so that's our strength. Got to go with your strengths. And by liturgy, as I mentioned before the break, we mean all of our sense of worship, all of our tradition, how everything we believe is expressed. Now, this is very, very critical, and it has to be done, I truly believe, to the max on every level, the best way. In other words, our churches should be designed architecturally consistent with our liturgy, with our spirituality. They need to be decorated with iconography that is consistent with the spirituality of our church, our liturgy, and our architecture. What goes on in there liturgically, the services, the prayer, the character of them has to be consistent with the art, the architecture, the liturgy, the prayer, the spirituality. Notice what I'm doing here? I'm presenting a very integrated package. That's how we let our light shine, an integrated package. Let's face it, somebody driving down the road hasn't met you yet. They haven't had the pleasure of meeting you as a brilliantly shining Eastern Catholic Christian person. Okay, they haven't met you yet. So they're driving past an Eastern Catholic church. That's their first experience, seeing your church from the road. Think of how many cars maybe go past your church. I think of how many cars go past my church here at Annunciation, Homer Glen, Illinois, Wilcook Road. It's a rather busy street. And their first impression, before they even meet any of us, is going to be given by the 
art, architecture, and another thing that's very important, the landscaping. In other words, the total package of how the church is presented. It's going to give an immediate impression to somebody. It's either going to tell them what we're about, we're proud of it in a good way, we want it to shine, we want to invite you to find out about it and to experience it, to enjoy it, we want to share it, or it's going to say, well, we're not really sure who we are, we're kind of apologetic about it, and we're not really sure who you are, we're not so sure you, we want to see you here, are you one of us or not? And believe it or not, the art, the architecture, and the landscape, in other words, the total package, will communicate these messages. It's either a message of an invitation, or it's a message of um, oh, confusion, or not really knowing what we're about, or not really confident about what we're about. Not really, oh gee, do I really want to share who I am? Do I really feel good about who I am? Do I really think I have something to offer? Or even to the other extreme of, gee, uh, we don't know if we can trust you. Are you one of us? Don't come here if you're not. Don't bother to come here if you're not. We don't know who you are. There's that kind of thing goes on Eastern Catholic churches as well. So the art and the architecture has to be done, and I'll use the term, to the max of what Byzantine or Eastern architecture is supposed to be, because it communicates our theology. Everything we do makes visible the invisible realities, and so the art architecture is important. Those are physical realities that manifest the invisible, what we believe, the God that we believe in, how we believe in that God. Also important, as I mentioned, is the landscaping, the the total presentation, because remember, that's one of the first impressions that most people will have, first time they even know of our existence. In fact, I would go so far as to say, I know this kind of scares a lot of people, but I personally, I would go so far as to say that if an Eastern Catholic church is not built or designed to the max, according to our own true spirituality, being true to what our spirituality is, its art, its architecture, I would actually suggest to redo the church. That's right. Knock it down and rebuild it. Because you know what? I know it sounds kind of radical, maybe kind of scares you, but so important is the physical manifestation to us in Christian spirituality of our faith, that it does matter. It matters greatly how we are presented in the physical. Our churches are either apologies or they are manifestations, proud in a good sense, brilliant manifestations of what we believe, how we love what we believe, and how we want the whole world to understand and to be caught up in it as well, to, to share in it, to experience it. So very, very important. And a lot of times this gets underplayed. Whenever I talk this way, a lot of times people say, well, you know, the church is really about the people. It's not just about brick and mortar. You're overplaying maybe the physical. Now, my response to that is we don't parcel out or compartmentalize our faith. That's very un-Eastern Christian. Our faith is very, very integrated. Yes, it's about the faith of the people, but that faith has to be expressed, has to be incarnated. And for us, the physical becomes the spiritual. The spiritual becomes the physical. So everything is important. All right, now, once we've got the right package, externally, visually, and people want to see us, they were being allured by our arch- and architecture. And by the way, that is how we evangelize. We evangelize the Eastern churches by an overpowering, alluring beauty. The West has the genius of being able to take the message very conveniently, very effectively outward. That's their genius. They're much more, in, a, in the best sense of the word, portable. They're very, very good at getting the word out there. That's why the Latin rite is by far 
the largest of the rites of the Catholic Church. They're all over the place. Everybody knows that. In fact, they associate Catholic exclusively with the Latin rite in most cases. But that's a testimony to their genius, of them looking into their genius, into their strengths, and going with it. So my hat is off to them in that regard. For the Eastern churches, our genius is in an alluring beauty. Think of it kind of like a queen, a beautiful queen, kind of sits on her throne, and people are drawn to her. They want to come to see the queen, to visit the queen, to be in her presence. Now, it doesn't mean that queen just sits on her throne all the time. Even a queen has to go around and visit her people. So the Eastern churches just don't sit there like Miss Muffin and a Tuffet looking beautiful and expect everyone to come to our doors. We do have to go outside of ourselves as well, and we'll get to that in a moment. But right now, we're talking about drawing people in by manifesting to the physical who we are, what we believe, and that we love what we believe, and we're proud of it, and we think people can be better off knowing us. So once they get there, once people come to our churches, the most important thing, and in fact, studies after studies have shown, statistics have shown over the years, that the number one reason why people will attend a church, join a church, and stay there, the number one reason is if they felt welcomed. If the congregation, regardless of what faith it is, if it was a warm, welcoming community, if they truly felt welcome, that they were valued by that community, no matter how big or small, they would either join and or stay. That was the number one reason that has been consistent studies over the years, and it always has come up as the number one reason. So, Eastern Catholic churches, and because we're smaller, it should be easy for us to do this. We should know when somebody's new or a visitor. They should stick right out. In fact, sometimes they feel a little (laughs) self-conscious. But we should make them feel very comfortable, very welcome. Have greeters at the door. Greet them. Help them follow the liturgy. Have someone next to them. Help them with the pages of the book. Because people who come to our liturgy for the first time generally are going to be rather confused. And if they try to follow our book, they'll be even more confused. I always say that whoever comes up with the one-stop shopping book for all of our services, there's not a whole lot of page turning and flipping around, I will personally push for their canonization. It just doesn't seem to be so easy to do for our church and our liturgy. So help them. Help them feel at home. Help them feel more comfortable, more part of things. Warm, welcoming community. Another thing we have to do is we have to make a lot of noise. I call it making a lot of noise. In other words, Have events at the parish and make sure they're well publicized. And also the pastors of these parishes ought to be very much the man about town. He's got to get involved in different civic kind of organizations. He has to attend a lot of things that are in the civic sphere, attend a lot of things from other neighboring parishes. He has to move outside of the parish. This brings me to the other point I mentioned earlier, I touched upon. We are primarily the queen mother sitting there There's a beautiful queen drawing people to ourselves with an alluring beauty. But at the same time, we do have to get out of ourselves. We have to learn to bring ourselves beyond ourselves. We have to learn something from our Latinite brethren, how to kind of take things outside beyond ourselves. And I call it making noise. In other words, do things and make sure they're getting publicized. Do things that are part of a community. Do community service type of things. I'll give you one example of my church of Annunciation. And you can check this out by going on our website, byzantinecatholic.com, and click on the nature page. We developed a sustainable environment water management master plan. In other words, we changed the whole environment of our property, and we restored the original 
and indigenous vegetation of this area of the country, the Midwest, Illinois to be specific. It helped water problems in the area. It opened up the property to children, to people. It became much more warm and welcoming and fascinating. It became like an outdoor natural classroom. It has connected communities that before were not connected. were kind of like the bridge between actually literally two counties because the street our church sits on is called Will Cook Row, which stands for Will County and Cook County. The two counties come together on the street that our church sits on. So we have literally connected two counties together via our property and the way we have developed it environmentally. It has literally affected and changed the community. The very community that sought to keep us out of here because they didn't want us to build our church years ago because they thought we would make their water problem worse is the very community that has given us multiple awards and has truly come to appreciate us. They truly enjoy our warm, welcoming property filled with all of God's natural vegetation that God himself designed for this region of the world. And so we've developed that. So the property becomes this outdoor classroom, this evangelical tool in and of itself, and has affected a community. Well, this is just some of the ways in which the Eastern Catholic churches can let their light shine, and they must and ought to. We'll talk more about that another time. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois 60491. That's Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the light of the east, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. Oh.